And welcome back, everybody, to the Vince August podcast. We are on episode four, and someone suggested a new intro song for me, and I said, all right, listen, I'll take your suggestion. I'll throw it out there. Um, So we're trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, Love the feedback, everybody. Please keep sending tweets, uh, messages, emails, everything you have. It's it's really great. Um, Some of the feedback I received... Um, one came from uh, a producer at Fox News, actually, and it was complimentary on the one hand saying, you know what, listening to the first three episodes, this is a show that is, you know, radio TV ready. Uh, we love the opinions. We love the way you back up and support your opinions. We love that you come from a position that gives you credibility. Uh, great stuff. And then he hit me with the criticism, which is where's the funny? Uh, You know, we want to hear the Vince August sarcasm, the Vince August humor. Uh, That needs to be part of the podcast. And listen, it's episode four. I'm I'm just finding my voice. Um, It's going to take some while before I think I hit full stride and and I'm all systems going and mixing in um, humor with intelligence. But listen, I'm on my way there and and hopefully these are going to get better and better. Um. Right now, we're, I'm back in New Jersey, episode three, of course. I was in on the island of St. John. I'm in New Jersey, and it's actually rained here more in the last three days than it did the entire time I was in St. John, and we had a Category 2 hurricane just miss us by 90 miles. So great to be back in Jersey. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. It's terrible to be back in New Jersey. Uh, I'd much rather be doing this from a Caribbean island, but... Uh, that's, that's a whole other thing. It's, it's, it hasn't stopped raining for three days here. Let's get right into the news that I'm dying to jump into. And the first story, Oscar Pistorius. For those of you that have not been filing, following this story, this is the Blade Runner. He was the Olympic runner who had two prosthetic legs. Uh, they were not actually legs, but they looked like blades, to me, they kind of look like skis more than they do blades. Uh, but I guess blade runner sounds a lot better than ski runner. And then skiing is also a winter sport. So you really couldn't do that because then he would have to slide down the mountain with those legs. And by the way, if anybody emails me about making fun of handicapped people with regards to talking about Oscar Pistorius, I'm going to tell you right now, you can kiss my ass because this guy's a murderer. Let's get something straight right now. I did not watch the trial, but I know the story and the facts behind the trial with regards to what happened. And what happened is, is Oscar Pistorius is a gun owner. He has guns for self-defense in his house, home defense. And guess what? So do I. I own three handguns, a Beretta 9mm, a Walther PPK, and a 357 Magnum. And they are for home defense and target practice. Oscar Pistorius is someone who is, in his words, um, recognizable, and he's a target, and therefore he has these guns for home defense and you know feels that he needs the security. Well, let me tell you, I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. My family owned a wholesale retail bakery. We actually had multiple break-ins because it was a, hotel, a wholesale retail business. Uh, in one instance... 12 guys came in with rifles, um, put a couple of the bakers in hospitals. Uh, Another guy tried to break into my bedroom when I was a kid, climbed on the roof. Uh, We called the cops. 
and there was an, another situation where we had an attempted break-in where the person was caught. Um, that being my background, you know what? Maybe I'm not a notable person who needs to have guns for that purpose, but you know, having been through that type of, having lived through that type of situation in my life, you know what? I always wanted to be in a situation where I would be able to defend my home. So, you know what? I'm a gun owner too. Now, here's the difference between me and Oscar Pistorius. If in the middle of the night, someone is in my bathroom with the door locked, and I know that I have a girlfriend who has the key, as opposed to walking over to the door, limping over to the door, blading my way over to the door, what, however the hell he got to the door, and taking out my gun and blasting several holes through the door, I would have handled it a different way. I would have said something like, oh, I don't know, honey, is that you? I mean, there's just about any scenario that you can run through in your mind that is a better scenario than blasting holes through your bathroom door. First of all, let's think about this. If someone is robbing your house, unless you keep all of your valuables in the bathroom, why would somebody break into your house and barricade themselves inside the bathroom? So unless you have an incredible string of soap robberies going on in South Africa, shampoo robberies, or I don't know what this guy keeps in his bathroom. What is he thinking? Really? You're going to shoot at the bathroom door when someone's locked inside or shut inside? You're not going to ask, hey, who's there? Listen, I'm a gun owner. Like I said, I have them for home defense. If I hear a noise in in my backyard, the first thing I do Turn on the outdoor lights and look in the backyard. I don't grab my gun and start blasting away in the backyard. If I hear a creak downstairs, I have to tell you, my first instinct isn't to grab my gun. It's to yell, who's there? It's to turn on the lights or create a situation that becomes a safer environment. Here's a radical idea. I don't know. Call 911. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous that this guy hears a noise, grabs his gun, and starts blasting away because he's that fearful of his safety. One, issue two, he gets five years with a minimum of 10 months for what is considered a grossly negligent act, whether it's a gross, grossly negligent homicide Uh, I don't think they're calling it a murder. Whatever South Africa calls it, he's getting five years of which he will have to serve 10 months. After that, he's eligible for parole and to be released. 10 months for taking a gun in your home, blasting through a door and murdering your girlfriend. I would love to know what the punishment is for rape in South Africa. Because I'm not belittling rape, but at least the victim of a rape is still alive, is able to get therapy to address the issues which you have caused upon her to deal with. But the one thing she's not is dead. And I find, I don't know what the punishment system is in South Africa. It's different here. But in the United States, you can get more time 
for selling pot, okay, for distributing an amount of pot deemed to be enough to be a fourth degree, okay, you can actually do 18 months for dealing pot in the United States in a country in which we have three states that have legalized marijuana. So think about the absurdity of that. We have states that have legalized marijuana, other states that don't have legalized marijuana. You can do up to 18 months for selling pot in a country that has legal pot in certain jurisdictions. This guy's getting 10 months for murder. For murder. Well, again, not knowing the laws in South Africa, not knowing what that judge was thinking, but to me, this is where... Gun owners, this is where athletes who get preferential treatment, this is where this all goes crazy, okay? Because as a gun owner, you cannot justify to me firing multiple times into a bathroom because you think there's an intruder in your house. You have a right to protect your house. Listen, you know, I don't know that I would ever shoot multiple times into my bathroom if someone was barricaded in my bathroom or I thought there was someone in my bathroom. I could certainly stand guard outside the bathroom while I dial 911. I don't have to shoot the person in the bathroom. There's a lot of things this guy could have done right, and he seemed to have done none of them. And as far as his fear and disability, okay, listen, you're an Olympic runner. You can't be... 10th fastest in the world. By the way, he came in 10th place in that race out of 10 runners. You can't be 10th fastest in the world because that's what people that come in 10th place, I would assume, say in the Olympics. I didn't come in last. I actually came in 10th, which means I'm 10th fastest in the world. There's a fine line between being last in a race and being 10th fastest in the world. In my opinion, he was 10th in that race. I'm sorry. Too bad you came in last. Um, But I digress. You can't be the 10th fastest guy in the world. Claim to be the 10th fastest guy in the world. The national hero for your athleticism and then say, I have a disability which creates a certain anxiety in me that I have to start blasting away a gun in my own house when I think there's an intruder. No, you can't play both cards here. I'm sorry, you can't. And again, people that think this is about a handicapped person, oh my God, Vin, you're coming down to a handicapped person. Oh my God, this is so wrong. You shouldn't talk bad about a handicap. You know what? Get a grip. I'm talking about a guy who murdered his girlfriend because he overreacted as an overzealous gun owner. That's what I'm talking about here. This has nothing to do with his disability. And a disability is not a disability if you can overcome it to the point where you become an Olympic runner and actually compete in the Olympics. So let's get that out of the way. Now, with regards to being a gun owner and using it for home protection, That's exactly what it's for, home protection. And I know there are certain people that are at home saying, you know what, you break into my house, and you know what, I'm going to start blasting away. That's fine. Let's use some common sense here. If you own a home and you own a gun and you know someone else has access to your house via key, girlfriend, wife, kids, And someone walks into the house that you know is not yet in your home, meaning your kids are out. Your kid comes home 1 o'clock in the morning. Is your initial reaction when they start to open the door to start blasting away at the door? Or is it to see if it's your kid coming home? Gun owners, you're not going to win this argument with me. You're not. There's no way you're going to justify this. 
You're not going to justify someone having a key to your residence coming home into your home that's not in your home or you know there are people that have access to your home that are not in your home. Someone being in the bathroom and you start blasting away. So the gun owner argument is not going to work here. The self-defense argument is not going to work here. Now we get into the athlete and now we get into the whole Olympian thing. And now we get into the preferential treatment of athletes. People, you really need to start thinking about your role models, and you really need to start thinking about putting athletes on such a high pedestal, okay? Listen, it's great when someone can show physical prowess, such as being an Olympic runner, overcoming a disability to become an Olympic runner. I think it's a great, it's a great story. Oscar Pistorius succeeded in his sport in his special talent for the benefit of Oscar Pistorius. Oscar Pistorius is not out there curing cancer, working on Ebola patients, working on new scientific technology that will help in treatment of amputees, in treatment of people overcoming their disabilities. He's an athlete trying to win for himself. He's out there running for himself. Okay? He's not doing it for South Africa. South Africa happens to be the nation that he resides in that is supporting him in terms of using their country as the sponsorship on his shirt. We see many people move from country to country and compete in the Olympics because they couldn't get sponsorship in that country, maybe because they couldn't qualify for the team or whatever. You see it in the World Cup soccer. There were, there were different players that play in different countries throughout the course of the year, have dual citizenship, and then have to decide which country they want to play for. So it's not for love of country. Oscar Pistorius is doing that for himself. Most athletes, people, be honest with yourself, are competing for their own benefit. It's not for you as fans. So when I see fans at a game get into fistfights, because somebody's wearing someone else's jersey. We had a, an L.A. Dodgers-San Francisco Giant game where a, a San Francisco Giant fan was nearly beaten to death. We had a Flyers-Ranger game a couple of years ago where a Rangers fan at a Flyers game was beaten brutally. I see fights all the time at hockey games between Devils and Ranger fans, Islanders and Ranger fans. This rivalry nonsense. I've seen at Yankee games... Yankee fans pull off a Met fan's hat and set it on fire. I saw at a, at a Patriots-Jets game, a Jet fan hit a woman wearing a Patriots jersey. You are sick, disturbed people. You have misplaced priorities in life. If you are so committed to a group of millionaires who could care less about you, that you're willing to get into fights, that you have put people on this unbelievable pedestal because of their physical prowess when there are people so much more important in our society that you should be putting on that pedestal. How about parents that raise their kids well? How about teachers who do a good job teaching your kid? How about doctors that are curing illnesses that, again, 
Take care of your kids. Take care of you in time of need. Police officers, firemen. There are so many people out there doing more important jobs than athletes. I don't understand. I don't understand this fascination with holding athletes up to this unbelievable light. And listen, I'm a huge sports fan. If you come to my office, I have autographed crap all over the place. I have Montreal Canadian stuff autographed. I have the Rocket Richards autograph. I, I went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I got a chance to see my Pittsburgh Steelers win the Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals. We tailgated. We watched the game. If they would have lost, it would have sucked. But the next day, I would have been fine had they lost. It would have just been money spent on a game that my team lost. I would have had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Do I root for my teams? Yes. Do I become so engrossed in my team that when they lose, I am depressed or I am driven to such rage that I have to call into a sports talk show and vent my frustration on how I'm sick and tired of going every week and watching this team lose? No one's forcing you to go to games. I love it. I love listening to sports talk shows to listen to the demented, moronic fans call in the next day. And say how they're sick and tired. Oh my God, I've been a Jet season ticket holder. I am sick and tired of watching this team lose. Then stop watching. What are you doing? Spend time with your family. How about that? You're gonna, you mean to tell me your Sunday, your day of rest before you have to go back to work on a Monday, assuming you're a, a Monday through Friday employee, your Sunday is going to get ruined because your team lost? And here's the other thing. When your team, quote-unquote, your team wins, stop saying we won today. You didn't win shit, okay? You didn't play. You didn't do anything to help that team win. Your cheering, yelling, and screaming didn't help that team win. They will tell you all the time, the 12th, man, oh, we love the fans, the fact that your fans are Yeah, you know what I want you there because they want you to pay the salary, they need you there. They need you there because if you're not there, that city, that team can't afford to pay them. But other than that, those fans, those players don't care. As long as they're getting paid, this is a business for them. This is like their job. It is their job. They get paid. They switch from team to team Because it's their job. Here's the other guy switching team to team. LeBron James, when he left Cleveland to go to Miami, the fact that ESPN, and ESPN, you are such a villain in this. Because you know what? ESPN changed the way sports are watched. Sports used to be about team. ESPN made it all about the player. ESPN made it all about Michael Jordan about Kobe Bryant. They took the player from the team and made the player the big thing, the identifiable player. Nike does the same thing with the Air Jordan thing. They stopped making sports about team and made it about individual. And don't think that doesn't affect kids because then kids say, oh, I've got to be the superstar and not the team player. So what does ESPN do? They put on this the decision, LeBron James, the decision, and they give this guy prime time to 
say what he's doing and that he's switching teams. And he goes down to Miami and he puts on this spectacle with fireworks and him and Dwayne Wade and and Bosch and, and, and people in Cleveland are burning jerseys. Burning jerseys. The same way people that hate the United States burn flags. They're burning jerseys. Burning LeBron James. And why are they burning this guy's jersey? Because he turned his back on the city of Cleveland. No morons. He went to a better situation, a better employment situation, the same thing you would do if you were presented the same situation in your job, okay? Here's the offer, police officer. You can go from working narcotics to working behind the desk and take yourself out of harm's way. Oh, and I'm going to give you more pay and the opportunity to... Continue advancing to the point of becoming police chief or something greater. What are you going to do? Hey, teacher at uh, middle school, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick you in a university where you can become a higher paid teacher. And I'm going to move you from the Midwest to Florida Gulf Coast. Pay you a lot more money. Put you in a lot better situation in terms of weather in terms of access to nightlife and are you going to take that job or not it's up to you oh stop it everybody of course you're going to take the job you're of course you're going to take the better paying job with more upward mobility the opportunity to win championships come on and then here's the best part this year lebron james comes out and does this i'm going back home thing with and now he uses sports illustrated and he used sports illustrated just like sports illustrated used him i'm going home you know what i turn my back on my home state it's time for me to go home is that where you're going lebron home or are you doing the same thing you did when you left cleveland which is leave a sinking ship to go to a better situation let's see you can stay in miami with a injured Dwayne Wade, potentially departing Chris Bosh, or you could go back to Cleveland with Kyrie Irving. You know they're going to get love from the Timberwolves and bring him back. They have a much younger team that you could be the centerpiece around. And, oh, by the way, as soon as LeBron James did switch teams, they were immediately placed as a favorite to win the championship over the team he just left. So what did he do, sports fans? Did he return home because he missed being in Cleveland? I need to go back to Ohio. Or did he go back to a better situation? LeBron James wants to win championships. Get it in your head. He is competing against Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. He's got to win championships because right now all he's hearing about is all the championships he's lost. And the only person LeBron James cares about is LeBron James. LeBron James is trying to create the LeBron James logo, the LeBron James entity, the LeBron James product. It's what he's trying to do because he will only play basketball for so long and then he needs a career after it and it's going to be the LeBron James career. 
come on, man, wake up. You guys, you put these athletes on these unbelievable pedestals, and this is what happens. They murder people. They wind up getting these nonsense sentences. They wind up getting away with murder. Go back to OJ, which was a botched trial, by the way. I'm not saying OJ got away with murder because he was a celebrity and an athlete. OJ got away with murder because the prosecutor's office completely screwed that case up. And the defense team did an unbelievable job. But nonetheless, when people started celebrating in the street, the celebration in the street is because of his celebrity, because of who he is as an athlete. And I'm telling you, this this notion that physical prowess has become so important in our society, American society has really morphed from education to physical prowess in an unbelievable way. And I see it all the time on Facebook. I see a lot of people posting their workouts. And I think it's great. I really do think it's great that you are working on your health, working on your fitness. And I think it's important to do that. But when your every status is about personal records, whether it's in CrossFit or whether it's in any type of workout, and it's not about what you're doing to help other people, I think you should look at your Facebook statuses and say to yourself, wow, let's see, I've posted 20 times this week, 17 times I've bragged about how awesome I am in the gym. Three times I took pictures of my dinner. That's great. If you're in the fitness industry, if you're looking to to, to motivate people, I think that's really wonderful. I really do. But what are you doing for somebody else? What are you doing that's actually affecting someone else? Putting up how awesome you are with the hopes that, you know what? That, that's motivating me to be awesome. I want to be awesome like Joe. Look at how awesome Joe is. If Joe can do it, I can do it. That's great. But what are you doing to help the person that wants to be like you, Joe? And Joe is a hypothetical name. What are you doing to help that person? Directly, not indirectly. I'm talking about direct help of other people. Are you doing any work to actually help other people? Not that you get paid for, okay? Because if you're a school teacher and you say, well, you know what? I help kids all day. I'm a school teacher. No, that's your job. That's like me taking credit for making people laugh. You know what? I make people laugh all day. No, that's my job as a comedian. When I go to a club, I get paid to make people laugh. Now, I tend to put out a lot of tweets with the intention of making people laugh. I tend to put a lot of information out, like this podcast, with the intention of educating people. Now, on the back end of that, am I going to be a hypocrite and tell you that I don't want this to come back around to me for some type of gain? I absolutely do. But my end goal here, by putting this information out, is to educate, is to put out some information, make people think. Make people think. Listen, I can sit home and tell you how I won a law case or a court case and how awesome I am as a lawyer. I can tell you how I made a huge crowd of people laugh. I destroyed tonight, put up the caution tape because I murdered and and put all that crap up on face. Or I can give away one-liners, try to bring some joy to people. Or I could do what I'm doing in a couple weeks, volunteer my time to perform at an event. Cut my pay to perform at an event, which I do quite often. So people, again, 
you know, I think it's great with your workouts. I think it's great that physical prowess is so important to you, but there's other things that are more important. There are things such as how you're affecting people. You know what? Let's not put education on such a low level. Okay, let's not put, you know, I think it's great that your kid is awesome in sports. I want to know how your kid is doing in school. I want to know what your kid is doing to help other kids. Show me that. Show me your kid being social. Show me you being social. Show me you doing things other than for the benefit of yourself. Because that's what this society has become. Look at the selfie. Look at what that's about. Here's another picture of me and how awesome I look. We're becoming very me, me, me. And it's it's been going on for a long time. It started really in the late 80s, worked its way through the 90s. And now we have such a narcissistic society, such an egocentric, narcissistic society. It's disgusting. And with people holding up certain role models, such as athletes, there are better people out there doing better things. Search them out. Okay, so that's my rant on Oscar Pistorius and athletes and the whole thing. Um, Next story, Ebola and the Ebola panic that is going on. And people are so overreacting to this story because the media has latched on to something new that they can scare the hell out of you with. And this is what our news does. Our news is focused on scaring the hell out of you, okay? Is Ebola coming to you? What can you do to prevent Ebola? Is is someone infected with Ebola in your area? Stay tuned. Do you know that you there have been more people that have married Kim Kardashian than have died from Ebola in the United States? Therefore, you have a better chance of marrying Kim Kardashian than you do of getting and dying from Ebola. The number of people that have died from the flu are astronomically higher than the people that will die from Ebola. A Facebook friend put up a status that she was concerned about the New York City Marathon because of, I guess, the runners coming from Africa and how they're going to run in the streets and that could spread Ebola. And I don't blame her for her reaction, which was, yes, way over the line, a little hypochondri- you know, hypochondriac-type reaction. What I did was I replied, not by belittling, belittling her post, because this is the fear that our media is putting out there, but by putting up something that I saw Shepard Smith say on Fox News, and, and look it up, people, he has an unbelievable... Um, informative four-minute video on Ebola, how you catch Ebola, what the odds of you getting Ebola, and how many people will die from the flu instead of Ebola this year, and yet people will not get a flu shot, but they're concerned about Ebola. Okay, that is the type of information you need as opposed to just read a headline, see that the news is trying to scare the hell out of you. I mean, they are tracking this one nurse from place to place, police escort with this Ebola, like what she has is this unbelievable disease that is going to spread like the plague and kill people. This is mind-numbing to see this. And the fear 
that they're trying to put out with this Ebola scare is absolutely sickening. I've been doing jokes about Ebola on stage. I've been absolutely doing jokes about it because it's so ridiculous. And I'll tell you right now, my dojo, we've created a new move in our martial art place. It's called the Ebola. It's, it's, a, it's a move that will make you bleed to the point where you can't survive. It's the Ebola. I'm not saying my dojo is better than yours, but we now have the Ebola move. I mean, that's... And people always say, oh, my God, that's not funny. Oh, my God, there's people dying from Ebola. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop being ridiculous. In fact, I'm waiting for the World Wrestling Federation, whatever it is, WWE. I'm waiting for their first wrestler to be called Ebola. I'm waiting for the next rapper to come out and call himself Ebola because his rhymes are so killer. I mean, the Ebola craze and the use of the media's use and misuse of this illness, blaming Barack Obama, okay, for the spread of Ebola and doing nothing to stop the spread of the spread of Ebola, is so ludicrous. It's it's disturbing. It's disturbing how uninformed people are. And again, this is the purpose of my podcast. You got to inform yourself. Please stop reading just the headlines. Please just stop flipping through Yahoo, uh, HuffPo, or wherever you're getting your news sources and seeing, oh, my God, that look, that woman with Ebola, that now taking her to Dallas. Look at the police escort. Look at everything else going on. Stop doing that. Actually read. Become informed. Okay? There are many things that will get you before Ebola. Okay? A car accident. Okay? Falling down the stairs. There are things in your house that could kill you quicker than Ebola will ever become a factor in your life. The other thing that Ebola then falls into or leads into is this issue with closing the borders and border control and whether or not we should tighten the borders because of Ebola. Okay, first of all, if we're going to tighten the borders and Ebola became the thing that is going to cause us this fear in tightening the borders, then as a country, once again, we failed. We have absolutely failed. With regards to the borders, you are going to tighten the borders for reasons beyond illnesses being transmitted from place to place, which is difficult to control. Because if an American travels to a foreign country as part of a vacation, contracts an illness, and wants to come back home, and they're an American citizen, what are you going to say? No, we're closing the border to you? No, you can't do that. So illness is not the reason to close the borders and tighten the borders. There are many other reasons to tighten the borders. And people say to me, well, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I am the son of first-generation Italian immigrants. My parents migrated from Italy. My father actually already had a job in place before he came here. Butoni Foods was um, kind of like, I guess, what Chef Boyardee was is today. There was a a food company called Butoni Foods. My father was an electrician by trade, and he worked for Butoni in Italy, in Sicily. And Butoni said, listen, we need a foreman for our plant in South Hackensack. You know, we want you to come over here to South Hackensack. As irony would have it, many years later, I become the municipal court judge in South Hackensack. Um, Talk about parallels and all kinds of things in life and irony. Um, But that's the job that brings my father to this country is this job as an electrical foreman in South Hackensack, New Jersey, for this plant. Um, He comes here as an immigrant, Italian-American dictionary in hand. He wanted to learn the language. He wanted to be able to communicate with people. Um, He lived in Brooklyn where there was an Italian neighborhood 
where at least he felt someone at home while you know beginning the transition to becoming an American citizen. So for me to speak about closing the borders, it's it's personal in the sense that my father was an immigrant and my father benefited from the American dream. Now, the, the America used to be the, the land of opportunity. I don't know that we're this great land of opportunity anymore. I have to be honest with you, because when you look at what we do here as a country, we really don't produce items anymore. We outsource. We outsource most of our things. Um, and anything that, w- that we are producing that is not outsourced is being built by a machine. Okay, we're, we're, we're now machine-driven in terms of manufacturing. It's not, there's not people in many factories. So that there's this land of opportunity to come here and get employment. I don't see it. You look at the unemployment rate, it, it's growing. We have kids graduating universities and high schools that aren't specialized in trades because, again, we don't really make anything. All we're doing is providing services, lawyers, doctors, accountants, um, physical therapists, um, you know, whatever it may be. It tends to be more of a service-driven country right now than it is a production country. We're not making things. We're just providing things. We're providing services. So what is the opportunity if you're coming here from a foreign country to get one of those service jobs? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on your education and training. And can you not get one of those service jobs in any other country? Well, sure, you can. Australia, Italy, England, Canada. But name the country. So are we offering any more opportunity that we need to keep our borders open because that's what we stand for? I don't think so. So what are we offering in terms of culture to these other countries? Because a lot of times when people migrated here, they tended to associate in small communities. Uh, Wallington, New Jersey, which is in Bergen County, was a very uh, was predominantly Polish. You had Little Italy in on Mulberry Street in Manhattan. You had Little Italy in Arthur on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. You had Little Italy in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn. People migrated together and had these small communities. Those communities, for the most part, have dwindled, um, with the exception of Chinatowns. Um, I'm seeing. A lot more of the Asian communities are still existing. I'm seeing some of the Hispanic communities are still strong. But a lot of the European communities have died off. So, you know, there's not this come here and be able to assimilate with your people and yet, you know, start your transition into American society. I'm not seeing that as much anymore. And we're trying to, in this country, and I talked about it in, in, in a prior podcast, we're starting to eliminate that. We're trying to meld into one kind of morphed race, which, listen, I, I don't have a problem with interracial marriage. I don't have a problem with any of that. What I do have a problem with is people losing connection with their roots. And I think it was Martin Luther King who said, you know, a tree that is unaware of its roots or it does not have a connection with its roots, it's a very weak tree. And I love having a strong connection with my Italian heritage. I love it when people have a strong connection with their culture because I think that's the type of thing that will make us more aware to what's going on in the world and not isolated 
here as Americans. Because here's the other thing that our isolation has done. The reaction or lack of reaction to the public, to ISIS. And again, I'm basing a lot of what I see on social media and my interaction with friends. Some people don't know what the hell ISIS is. Some people, even worse than that, don't care to know what ISIS is. And if you lived in the tri-state area and you were affected by 9-11, if you live in the Washington, D.C. area and you were affected by 9-11, or if you're someone like Pat Tillman who lived in Arizona and was affected by 9-11 to the point where it drove him to leave a sports team and enlist in the services, if you were that affected by 9-11 and you don't know what ISIS is and you don't care to know what ISIS is, well then, you know when you say never forget, guess what? You forgot. You forgot. And you are now creating the foundation for another 9-11. So you need to inform yourselves as to what the hell's going on in the Middle East with ISIS. You need to know what's going on in Syria. You need to know what's going on in Turkey. You need to know what's going on in that entire region. And familiarize yourself with it because if you don't, when we have the other terrorist attack, which right now they're coming in small doses in beheadings, and we just saw one in Ottawa yesterday. Today is Thursday, October 23rd. On Wednesday, October 22nd, there was a shooting in Ottawa, in Ottawa's main Ottawa is the, the capital of Ontario. It's, it's really the seat of Canada's there, Washington, D.C. And there was a shooting there. And again, it, this is related to terrorism. It's getting closer to home. And if you don't want to be informed about it, if you say, oh, you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. It's not affecting me. It's not affecting my life. You know, it's about me and, and, I, and I have my workout and I'm going to take a picture of my dinner. And, I, you know, I, I'm more obsessed with whether or not the Jets are going to pick up another defensive back or how you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys are back. America's team is back. And listen, and I'm not saying don't watch sports. I love sports. It's a distraction. What I'm saying is if the distractions in your life are more important than the things that are more important in life, then you're, you are a distraction. Stop being a distraction. Be informed. Be part of a solution. Okay? I mean, again, this is what this podcast is about. Yeah, and I'm going to start injecting humor, everybody. I promise I'm going to get funnier as these things go along. It's just I see certain things, and it makes me absolutely bananas nuts. The Ebola thing, the overreaction to it, the ISIS thing, the underreaction to it is just something I had to talk about. Uh, With regards to the borders, yeah, I think we need to tighten our borders. I really do. I think right now there's enough going on in the world that we have to be a lot more picky about the people that we're letting in here because if we don't, if we're not this land of opportunity, we need to start questioning why they're coming here. And the reason why they're coming here in some instances, I don't know what the percentage is, it's to do the damage that they're doing around the world in Ottawa, in Syria, in Turkey, in Iraq. It's, it's, it's happening. It's cyclical. It's coming back, and it's coming towards us. So please inform yourselves. A um, couple quick hits. Last week I ranted about the Washington Redskins and how it's ridiculous on how their team name is under attack and how just let them be what the hell they want to be and stop it with all the nonsense. Well, for everyone that thinks, well, you know, you're being insensitive to American Indians, you're being insensitive to Native Americans, 
Last week on national television, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish played the Florida State Seminoles. And on each sideline, you had a student dressed up as a Seminole Indian holding a flaming spear, spiking it into the ground. And on the other sideline, you had an oversized leprechaun in a fighting stance representing a fighting Irish. Somehow that's not a problem, but the name Washington Redskins is a problem. I actually tweeted something about that saying, wow, I I guess we're okay with students dressing up as Indian and and launching firing spears into the ground while people mock a tomahawk chop. Someone actually tweeted back at me, here at Florida State, before students do anything, we approve it. Well, that doesn't make it right. And listen, I'm not saying it's wrong. I love the tomahawk chop. I love all of this stuff. You know what? Just be even-handed about it. If we're going to do it, let everybody do it or no one does it. And I'm all for letting everybody do it. You know I'm big on free speech. So I don't have a problem with Seminoles and Fighting Irish. But if we're not going to have a problem with that, you can't have a problem with the Washington Redskins either. Um, This is episode four. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to be back again next week. Um, If something happens in the interim, I'm thinking about doing midweek episodes and adding on people please continue to email me message me and more importantly spread the word because yes i am trying to inform but yes i'm also trying to get the vince august brand out there to do bigger things so i'm not going to be a hypocrite i'm telling you there's twofold reason help you and help me see at least i can say it at least i'm honest enough to put this crap out there and say what i'm looking to do everybody have a great week and i look forward to hearing from everybody's comments Um, Find me on Twitter, Facebook, and I will always end with my quote, my favorite quote from Walt Disney. Whatever you do, do it well. Do it so well that when people see you do it, they will want to come back and see you do it again. And they will want to bring others and show them how well you do what you do. If you're in the New Jersey area, you can see me do what I do at Bananas in Hasbro Kites November 7th and 8th. Um, I'm also doing an event for Gilda's Gilda Radner Foundation on November 2nd in Hackensack, New Jersey. Please come out and support me. Thank you very much, everybody, and hope to catch you next week.